Hi, this is Patreon supporter Rich. The long international nightmare is over. The Polish guy will still be behind the Instant Speed Podcast with Flake. So, get out your pocket kielbasa. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Instant Speed Podcast. This is episode number 87, brought to you by Kayfabe Cards. Be who you want to be. This week's guest is Matt Rogers. But first, let's get to the facts, ladies and gentlemen. Well, welcome back to the Instant Speed Podcast. Yes, uh, after a little hiatus and some rebranding, we are back. So it's great to have you. If you haven't already, I do invite you. Go ahead, hit the subscribe button on YouTube, follow us wherever all of your podcasts can be heard. Spotify, Google, Apple, Space, wherever you get your vibes, plug into the Instant Speed podcast there. Thank you so much. All right. The bands are in. The BNR announcement. Nothing for Blitz, but let's get to the hotter aspect, which is, hey, Bullseye Bracers is banned. Sorry, Lexi. Sorry, Azalea. Sorry, Riptide, I guess. Sure, we'll throw that one in there. Pulse of Eisenloft and Skeletta remain I guess kind of, I mean, Pulse of Eisenloft unbanned, but nothing really is out there that can use it. So waiting the next bearer of the Pulse of Eisenloft, Skeleta remains the same. Can't touch it, unfortunately. Dusk Till Dawn spoilers are completed. We've seen everything. Let's talk about the biggest, you know, little nuggets that we can unearth from Dusk Till Dawn. The first being the fabled Light of Soul, a light gem. Pretty awesome. Uh, that is the chase card in this set. But beyond that, we've got a reprint, ladies and gentlemen. Crown of Providence is getting a reprint. So one of the most coveted headpieces that are out there. Get another chance to go ahead and grab one of those for your kit. Dust Till Dawn pre-release events are going to be firing off for the War of the Monarch from July 7th through July 9th. So go ahead and tune into whichever... LGS has got your mojo going. I will be at the Battle Hardened in Cincinnati competing in the uh, the classic constructed event of probably some side events as well. Why not? I'd be love to see you guys there. And uh, that pretty much wraps it up. But hey, what about the new Instant Speed Patreon? Do you want to support the channel? Do you want to help me out here? You can do so for as little as two bucks a month. If you go to patreon.com slash instant speed, you can find a way that you can support Instant Speed, get some extra juice as well as some extra sauce. So check out ISP Patreon. And big announcement. I am very excited about this because this is something that I've been asked a bunch of times. Finally got off my ass to make it happen. Instant Speed merchandise is available in conjunction with Berry Good Embroidery. If you guys want to take a look at that, BerryGoodEmbroidery.com slash Instant Speed slash ISP, if I'm not mistaken. Go check it out. Shirts, hats, hoodies, the whole nine yards. I tried to make sure that, you know, you can get these at a relatively affordable price. Uh, the quality's great. I've got this stuff as well. So check it out. If you want to rock some ISP, you can do so 
So the link will be in the description of these videos. And thank you, as always, for your support and repping the ISP. All right, our guest for the revamped Instant Speed podcast is none other than Matt Rogers. We talk about the meta. We talk about worlds and competition in TCG for LSS. And we talk about PCG grading and fab slabs. He comes equipped with some hotness. So stay tuned. All this and more on ISP. The Instant Speed Podcast is proudly sponsored by Kayfabe Cards. Kayfabe Cards is located in Riverton, Utah, and is your total hookup for flesh and blood singles and sealed product. Go to kayfabecards.com and find all of your TCG passions covered from Magic, One Piece, Pokemon, and plenty more. Kayfabe Cards is also bringing you the Battle Hardened in Salt Lake City, as well as Pokemon Regionals in the coming year. Kayfabe is life. Be who you want to be. Welcome back, friends, to the Instant Speed Podcast. It is uh, episode number 87. Brief hiatus, a little bit of a, an extra, you know, special paint job has been applied. But we're we're coming back pretty hot and heavy here with one of the most influential personalities in flesh and blood today. He is a multiple calling winner, a national champion, and runs PCG grading. That would be... One Matt Rogers. Matt, it's good to have you back, buddy. You're the first person back. I was thinking, I'm like, who do I want on the show? James won't return my calls. Brian ignores <laughs> me. I figured the best person is probably Matt Rogers. You're at least like in their, at least within their hemisphere of uh, of influence. So, <laughs> how you doing? Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, honored, honored to be back. Thank you. Um, and uh, it's really cool, man. How how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing all all things considered. It's uh it's good. It's been busy, even though I haven't necessarily been out there with the podcast. Obviously, um, the rebrand and sort of the relaunch and everything else um, was something I really wanted to to do and do right. So we took some time off, and I've been I've been happy that the the support is still there, which is good, especially in an yeah. industry and in sort of this sphere of uh, you know internet influence and such you if you're like kind of out of the spotlight for two minutes you're basically old news and there's always <laughs> that in the back of your mind this like sort of chirping that goes on that says dude you're it's you're never gonna get back to it like if you walk away for a week you're pretty much done that pressure just constantly exists but we're here and you didn't forget my name which is I'm awesome very unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> dude you're not kidding it is it is tough it is absolutely tough but um, I wouldn't trade it for the world unless it was offered, but it hasn't been offered. But yeah, <laughs> unless the world was offered. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, let's we'll start with the world and move our way up. But yeah, it's uh, it's good to have you here, buddy. And we've got a laundry list of things that we want to talk about, obviously. But one of the more important ones right now, I suppose, is that we just got the bans and restricted announcement, which yeah, well, morning for you. It literally just snuck under the rug, really, really close to when we were supposed to, um, you know, start this. I think it was like less than an hour ago we actually got them. Yeah. So we've had brief time to digest. Ultimately, the only thing that really is in effect here is the fact that, well, hey, bullseye bracers is no longer an option for rangers is this something that is super impactful did they hit it spot on did they hit the bullseye as it were or is there still work <laughs> left to be done to keep alexi in check 
It was a really, really hard ban um, to, to hit something from Lexi, because if you hit three of a kind, the deck just dies. If you hit Rain Raises, the deck probably just dies. So, like, I don't think you can hit any of the two most powerful cards, uh, because, like, I mean, the deck won't completely die, but it won't be Tier 1, and I think they want Ranger to have a bit of its time in the spotlight as Tier 1, right? So, like, if I was LSS right now, I, I wouldn't really want to, you know, push the deck down to Tier 2. Um, so I think that that that's kind of their, their their thought process. So you can't can't really hit rain raises or three of a kind. So what else do you hit? Um, and I feel like the options there is like uh, you hit snapdragons, but then it hurts a bunch of other decks. And like I don't think you want to hit snapdragons. I think that's a pretty important card in flesh and blood in general. Um, so I'd I'd steer away from that. Or you hit bullseye braces, or you hit endless arrow. Those those I think are other other bands. Um, so I think, yeah, maybe, maybe they got it about right. Um, you know, uh, like endless arrow is still a little bit scary, but it's definitely a lot less scary without bullseye braces. Um, so that, that combo is a lot harder to, yeah, to kind of get off in a good way. So I think, I think it was probably a, a decent hit. I do still think Lex is going to be the best deck though. Um, I think that they didn't hit it hard enough that it will really change too much. Um, but then again, there does seem to be a few more tools uh, in the format to deal with Lexi now as well. So it'll, it'll be really interesting. Back when Starvo was getting big looks for bands, etc. I mean, Awakening took the hit way back when for sure. So did a lot of things. But yeah. one of the more clever, I think, uh, bands that they hit was Autumn's Touch, which a lot of people were like, Autumn's Touch? Like That wasn't on anybody's radar. People were always... Yeah discussing what could potentially be banned now i'm not saying that lexi is anywhere within the same stratosphere of where the power level that starver was in however th these kinds of creative hits uh, i'm sure there were people out there who are patting themselves on the back and saying that yeah bullseye bracer is what they were going to hit but most people are like no ban three of a kind ban rain razors and ban endless arrow ban it all i'm tired <laughs> of losing to lexi because i'm stubborn ultimately though does this kind of give you shades of those clever bans do you think that you know Banning. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So like banning the big cards, I feel like you said, it's it's a kill shot. It's basically an execution of the deck itself. So it, it, do you think that LSS is just afraid to outright kill kill a major card like that? Like like say three of a kind of rain razors? Yeah, I think so. And I think I think it would I think it would be wrong to do it as well. Um I, I it, to be honest, I was kind of expecting a, an Autumn's Touch-esque ban. I was thinking they might ban Bolton Shot, um, uh, just because, you know, it's such an important piece, but it's not, like, absolutely key to the deck. But I was also worried that that could also kill the deck as well. Like, Bolton Shot's pretty important. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think the... I think the way they've done it with Bullseye is, is is very similar vein. Like they want Lexi to still be tier one. They don't want to kill, risk killing the deck, but they want to kind of you know peter down the power level a, a little bit. And I think I think that's actually the same sort of thing they did with Oldham, right? When they banned Winter's Whale, um, same sort of thing. They wanted it to remain tier one, but they wanted to peter down the the power level a little bit. Yeah, you're opening up some room, I guess, for other. Uh, you know, other heroes to get in there. I mean, Bullseye Bracers, you're loading an arrow, be it um, a Bolton Shot or an Endless Arrow on a loop. There's there's definitely value associated to what that card can do, but it's not the end-all, be-all. You know, it's not... Yeah. What, in your opinion, last question about the bands here, 
what slots into the handpiece now? Because I felt like Bullseye Bracers was just the the automatic go-to for that particular class. Like there was nothing else that really came close. But is there any other arrow or sorry, other handpiece now that, you know, is kind of catching your eye? Um, well, definitely the uh, the one that makes the uh, the attacks deal one damage. What's it called? Um, is it, is it the a legendary arm piece? Oh, uh, it's not one of the Shukos, is it? No, that's a ninja. Uh, no. Deals one. No, no. Oh, shock charmers. Shock charmers. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so shock, shock charmers is is probably um, the go to. Like, if Lexi leans more ice now, I think, uh, and you know, kind of focuses on on hits, which I expect it to a little bit now that Oldham's gone. Then I think shock charmers does does a really really good job i think that card can be crazy right like some of these on hits if you can uh yeah like some of them uh shock charmers actually turns on <laughs> so it, it can get a little bit crazy all right well the price of lexi decks now just went up about 60 bucks purely off of yeah. this band <laughs> so there you go you re- remove a card and the price just shot up uh all right well dust till dawn is uh, about a week or so away We've seen the line share, if not by this, the point of this. We're recording on Monday, the 3rd of July um, here on uh, in North America. And um, by the time that this gets published on the Thursday, we'll probably have seen all the cards by now. But uh, what we have seen yeah. up until now, um, what is catching your eye from a particular card perspective? Is there any one or two cards that you're thinking about as saying, like, this actually has me excited this has my my brain starting to turn the gears yeah a few a few of the shadow stuff um so the light stuff hasn't really stood out to me in a big way yet um like bolton got a few extra tools but i, I don't know if it's going to be enough to really push him over the line but the shadow tools have been fantastic like levia has gotten you know um I, I mean to be honest like one of my favorite cards is literally my spoiler card like i think that um i think that spoiled skull does a lot for levia um and uh and yeah like a lot of the a lot of the shadow cards are really powerful like these new transformative 13 life heroes um you know uh uh when you get down and then vincette has some some really cool stuff like vincette is looking really kind of mid-rangey which is uh how i like to play the game right so i could definitely see myself um slinging a bit here and there with this uh and then i think i think my favorite I think my favorite spoiler card right now is is also um, a, a, another thing entirely is this is, uh, uh, is this new axe. Um, so the axe for warrior that kind of I think allows uh, some semblance of like some form of mid rangey control warrior uh, uh, with the axe that isn't super focused on on the weapon. Um, so you know, kind of the closest thing to sw- swinging Oldham's hammer, right? That's um, yeah this decimated great axe it's really yeah really interesting because this card is just so hard to keep under control you're going to be constantly leaking from it throughout the game and not only that but like you mentioned it's the four it's the break it's the breakpoint plus it basically have some of the 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 block value off of it so it's going to leak and warrior already kind of comes with a fridge in terms of their blocking capability they have a lot of uh, equipment blocks so they have some resilience to them when it comes to sticking around and protecting life totals um a control warrior might very well be what people are looking at i mean i, I look at decimator great axe and the first thing i'm thinking about is like why can't this be a guardian weapon and i know why it can't be a guardian <laughs> weapon like i already am aware why it can't be a guardian weapon but 
you know, we went from Winter's Whale to Titan's Fist, and then Decimator Greatax gets printed, and I'm like, oh, this is, like, the next step. This is the next evolution from, like, the de-evolution to, like, coming back to some sort of greatness. It's a Decimator Greatax. Do you play a lot of Warrior? Is that a, a hero that, you know, does this card, does Decimator Greatax actually put Warrior onto, you know, into people's field of vision, but maybe from that control lens? Is it something that yeah, is viable? Yeah, so, I mean, I played Warrior before you know before dash came out right so back uh back in welcome to wraith um warrior was kind of my go-to hero and even even after arcane rising and, and crucible um uh i i won a road to nats with warrior back in you know the kind of dash heyday as well um so I, I i've always had a soft spot for warrior i've always enjoyed warrior um when oldham came out i never looked back um but but up until that point uh you know warrior was was uh yeah ab absolutely one of my heroes so um yeah this is this has got me looking back um and uh yeah kind of yeah brewing around with the cards again and thinking about how a kind of mid-rangey more oldham style warrior deck can work so the uh, the other thing about this uh, Dust Till Dawn as an expansion is again this is a, a, a what is it called a supplementary set or or something like that it, I forgot what the yeah, exact yeah, yeah. along yeah, those yeah. lines supplementary set yeah now the supplementary sets are are typically geared towards basically giving a little injection a little bit of adrenaline to everything all the classes out there everybody gets a little bit of help it it sort of gives you know shakes the slow uh, the snow globe for the first week and seeing where everything falls. But this one feels different. This is kind of different than Crucible. It's different than Dynasty or um, what was the other one? Uh, Everfest and whatnot. Because it seems like those other um, those other sets was like an equal an equal share into the ether out there of, of of giving every class every talent a little bit of help. This one is very very much leaning towards this light versus shadow narrative. And now this is definitely going to be tied to the overarching lore and the development of lore within LSS. I I can see on my end here why this is kind of necessary because you're kind of at the same time that you're releasing cards, you're also telling a story. LSS looks to be turning yeah flesh and blood into a, gr a bigger IP, much like Magic does this, where there's always companion books or whatever. Is this, in your opinion, a good move where they're focusing on certain aspects? Because a lot of people are saying, hey, Light, Shadow, Runeblade, Illusionist, we're getting all that, but like, where's the help for Mechanologist? Where's my help for Brutes? Where's my help for, or maybe not Brutes, but like, where's my help for whatnot? You know, like, it, is this the right approach here? Yeah, I was very, very hopeful that I would at least get, you know, one mechanologist like Dash specialization or something like, like you know, that at least in the set they do a specialization for, you know, for, for the majority of the heroes or something. But yeah, look, looking like I'm not going to get that. Um, so, so yeah, I'm definitely on the side of the fence of, oh, this is, this, this sucks. I don't get anything for, you know, the, the deck I was working on or, 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 um, you know that you'd always be hopeful with a new set that you'd get something for, right? But yeah, like I think I I think this is I think this is a good um, a good focus point. I think that yeah, like focusing on a couple of the uh, heroes that haven't gotten support in a, 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 a in a while, or a couple of classes, and you know got, going back to light and shadow, especially when you know uh, Prism got Living Legend and Chain got Living Legend and stuff. So I think I think this is a really I think if this shows 
how they're going to approach these supplemental sets in the future. I think I think this this is a good good way to go. Um, and you know, as as much hurt as I am that I'm not getting that that one single dash card is all I wanted. Um, <laughs> I was surprised. I do, yeah, <laughs> like there's that's the thing, right? Because when supplemental sets are usually announced, everybody. And it started off that way, right? Like we got Starstruck, we got all, you know, um, we got all the specializations, you know, uh, the Lexi specialization, the this, the that. We got a whole bunch of cool stuff, and everybody was kind of waiting, saying, "All right, cool, everything's going to get a little bit of help." Obviously, we're going to get new heroes, but it seems like it is absolutely uh, uh, this like mini like Monarch Two, you know, like this this yeah, sort of sequel yeah. to it. But yeah. kind of rewinding back to the grander scheme of things. You know, LSS has always been waving the flag about being a, you know, player first, experience first, whatnot. But yeah. as as cool as Dust Till Dawn looks and as cool as it is, if their if their direction, their north star that they're kind of following and, you know, cutting through the water, if that North Star is 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 guiding them that's guiding them is is more geared towards stuff like uh lore building um, you know, world building, etc. Do you feel like maybe that they're going to start falling behind on just just putting out good sets? And I'm not saying that this set is bad or anything, but like this, to me, the symptom is that uh, of a set like this is more so telling of they have grander grander visions in mind of you know books and other and and developing the IP, but at the same time we haven't gotten any of that right because we have we don't have books or, or shows or or merchandise or or video games or anything like that um what is your take on that like is do you th- do you feel like lss is is sort of starting that that encroaching into these other genres these other you know areas of of merchandising and, and expansion of the ip yeah, I think so. And I think that's, that's got to have always been the plan, right? Like, if we see the law book um, that was sent out to retailers at the start, like, how in-depth that is, obviously, years has been spent on on, on developing that, that law and, and the storyline behind it. Um, so I think that was always the plan. Um, it's just they were trying to do a whole lot quickly, right? I'm, I, out from, from a player point of view, I'm not concerned that they're spending, that they're, you know, seeming to have a bit more focus in that area, because, like, ultimately, it is two different teams, right? They've got the creative team and they've got the development team, right? So those those teams aren't really, you know, like they are completely divided, right? So it, it, it it's not like if if the creative team are like, you know, focusing more on lore, it doesn't mean that the development team are going to focus less less on playtesting the, the the cards, right? So um, yeah, from from that standpoint, I'm not worried that that one takes away from the other. Um, but it does seem like those teams are expanding and they're putting more focus into both of those areas, which I think ultimately was always the plan uh, and and is a great thing for the game. I think, you know, the storyline and the lore and stuff attracts a lot of people. And especially if they're, um, you know, as, as they go into this more, uh, you know, casual focus as well, um, you know, around player-verse environment and, and um, uh, you know, uh, s- stuff like that, I think it's going to be really important to shore up a lot of the storyline. The other aspect of this is with these grander schemes and these bigger, you know, things in their, on, on their mind, 
there's still people out there wondering like where the hell worlds is going to be, you know? Um, <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm not, a game, I'm <laughs> uh, trust me as, as am I, a lot of people keep bothering me and sending me DMS like, Hey, can you just give me like a hint? I was like, dude, if I knew I would yeah. tell you, I, I legitimately do not know. Um, but we're approaching on it and this has to be a concern. Like you said, it's a concern for you, but at what point, do we just kind of take a step back and say, you know, you're you're into your like fourth year of being a major player in the TCG world. These are not mistakes you should be making anymore. These are not things that, you know, we're going to allow you to just say, oh, slight oversight on. And I get it. It's a volatile world out there, especially in, in Europe where they said it's going to be. We're we're at a, a point now where I think the the that sort of, you know, Rubicon that you cross, a lot of people can't go back now. They're like, I can't go. Like, if I didn't know by July 1st, I can't go. And that is yeah. going to be the reality for it. Um, what are your thoughts on this sort of, this, 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 I don't call it radio silence, but that's to a degree what it is. Because everybody, every day I see at least five to 10 tweets of, with, you know, worlds question mark or DMs and stuff like that of people asking me when it is and I have no clue. Yeah, um, this is this this is a sore spot for sure. Um, I think that I I think we're past that point now. That now that we're in year four, I think we're at the point where it's kind of unacceptable. Um, if I'm completely honest, I, I want to be kind of harsh here. Like yeah, like I get that there's there, there's gonna be things that happen, right? Venues might have fallen through. There might be like all of these behind the scenes stuff, and that you know this stuff is really hard. Like we need to respect that, but. LSS have kind of gotten to where they are off the back of being a very transparent company um, uh, and very just straight up, this is how it is, and just hard working. And I have no doubt in my mind that everybody behind the scenes is working their ass off to make this happen, but they need to give us a little bit more information, uh, you know, to at least say, hey, look, you know, this is what's happened so far. This is, you know, thing, th things are holding up, we're, but, but we're, we're expecting... We're, we're going to announce it at this date and then, you know, at least set a date where they're going to announce it and kind of be straight up with people. It's like, okay, yep, some, you know, some unforeseen circumstances have happened. It's fallen off again. We're going to have to push out to this date now, but at least give people a date, at least tell people when, when you're going to know and, uh, you know, kind of respect your players' lives a little bit more. Cause yeah, I, I agree with you. A lot of people, uh, you know, we've passed the point now where, um, it, it, it constantly other things are conflicting um and even for myself like I, I you know if i'd known about worlds a month ago there are multiple things i could have planned around worlds but now it's getting to the point where like if it's on you know there are a couple of dates for me that if it's on I'm, i just won't be able to play i just won't, won't be able to play worlds and if i'd known a month ago i could have moved that around and and, and definitely would be able to play so um i can imagine a lot of people are in that boat as well um and uh yeah i think you know specifically because this has been a sore spot um with lss uh over the past couple of years is like you know things are announced a little bit too late um we're not given enough lead time this this needs to be the spot that they're you know really focusing on and really making sure they've got it right because we've given them a pass we've given them a whole pass so many times in the last couple of years that it's kind of getting to the point where you know um it, they're just yeah they they need to step up in this area, and I like I'm not gonna sit here and 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 sort of 
I, I'm not trying to say that they're not, they're, they're just, they don't, they don't care. Um, that's absolutely. Oh, no, no. They definitely care and they definitely work their ass off. I'm definitely not saying anything like that. I believe right. that everybody in LSS works really hard and they want this as much as we do. But yeah, there just needs yeah. to be more communication. Like yeah. to me, it just feels like we just we came off of Baltimore. Baltimore was, in my opinion, Baltimore was a little bit of a I don't want to say a do or die, but there was a lot at stake for Baltimore. PT Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, after Worlds, Worlds was left a lot of people wanting more, left a lot of people, you know, a little bit disappointed with how that that happened. And that's not just the player base. I'm sure LSS feels exactly the same way. PT Baltimore was kind of their opportunity to say, hey, we can do this right. And I know there was a lot of hubbub about Baltimore. Trust me, I am literally, I just watched the entire series of The Wire in the past two weeks because of, and like, I know, and I was like, Baltimore, I'm like, now I see because people watched this amazing show and now people understand that there's like 85 murders an afternoon in yeah. Baltimore, but that's, you know, that it, that was definitely a dramatization. But Baltimore was for them a battleground on their own spot to sort of win back the trust of the player base that, hey, we can do tournaments of a grand scale do it right and even though baltimore had a couple hiccups here and there on the whole i think that baltimore was a big success and after speaking to a lot of the people from lss after that they thought it was good too and they kept reassuring and saying dude this is just like a quarter of what we want to do moving forward for these tier four events but at a certain point, you could have the greatest circus in town, but if nobody can go to it, then who you know? It's like if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, does it even does it exist or did it even fall? Which is what worlds might be. Worlds might be the best thing ever, but if a lot of people can't go because of the time frame here, then all it is is just you know a whisper in the wind, as it were. Like okay, it sounds like yeah. it was a great thing, but who knows? I wasn't there. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. Baltimore, they, they whacked it out of the park. Baltimore was incredible. One of the best, um, uh, you know, event experiences I've ever had. So I think they did that, real, you know, they, they really, really stepped up from last year. Um, but there, were, there, there was a lot of expectation and pressure as well, given they're only doing one Pro Tour and one Worlds this year, right? So they kind of had to get both perfect they had to really step up in both and i feel like yeah the announcement around worlds is, uh hasn't hasn't met expectation <laughs> um yeah. so yeah i yeah, i i agree i think the event is going to be amazing and i i have ev- i have no doubt that everybody behind the scenes has put in a lot of work to make it incredible but it's yeah it's it's kind of all for nothing a little bit if if, uh, if a bunch of people can't go and that's uh you know yeah they, um, they miss out, <laughs> and that will just suck, to be honest. Well, that's yeah. that's certainly it. And again, I'm coming from a point of, you know, privilege to the degree where you know, um, I'm I, there's an, a possibility I might be working it. I honestly don't know, but I want to go, one way or another. Yeah. And you know, it's just I'm lucky enough that I don't have. Uh, you know, a nine to five or, or a schedule that I have to respect. I My schedule revolves around this industry. So I can make those last second decisions. But from a point of cost, from a point of opportunity, it's going to be difficult because I don't know how many people out there are so excited to finally qualify for something like this. And if at the end of the day, they can't make it because, you know, uh, 
Johnson in accounting put in the time off for work, you know, a week before you got to, then that can be yeah. problematic. Nonetheless, um, like you said, I think that they're they're certainly working hard on it. I, I just I just wish that this was a point that they had hammered out sooner than later. We're all waiting with bated breath, and um, sooner the better, I guess. But uh, yeah. um, the other thing I want to get to, I know that we're, I want to talk about you know PCG grading uh, as well as some of um, your your monarch draft strategies and such like that. But I just want to also talk a little bit about. Um, Flesh and Blood's uh, future and the competition that has now essentially been on this constant rise and this constant, you know, this this slow trickle of of like a new champion has entered the gauntlet, as it were. Be it Lorcana, yeah. be it Star Wars Unlimited, One Piece. Uh, there's games like Alpha Clash, Battle Spirit Saga. Every month, it seems there's a new card game that's being announced. And there's only so many hours in a day, days in a week, et cetera, for players to essentially split their attention. I know that a lot of players of that I know very closely have, I wouldn't call it jump ship on Flesh and Blood, but they're playing games like One Piece because there's tournaments, there's support, there's communication, there's things like that. And, they're, and now, you know, I'm super excited for Star Wars Unlimited. A lot of people are on the Lorcana train as well. Um... Flesh and Blood kind of found this lightning in a bottle at a right time, despite all the things that were working against it, to come out, come out swinging, you know, um, kick, you know, uh, put the boot to Magic's ass when it comes to big events and and broadcasting big events and and sort of re- rejuvenating their that whole part of it. Magic is now back to full force. Like they, I feel like Flesh and Blood came out swinging. Awoken a dragon in magic. Magic is back on the scene, hot, heavy, and really like thirsty for blood. But at the same time, while they're, you know, staring down this reawakened giant, there's like a whole bunch of other stuff that's around the corner. I feel like they are in probably some of their more dire circumstances that they've been since maybe their first launch. Yeah, that that's fair. There are a lot of games coming out. Um and uh I think I think the landscape is changing a little bit, though. You know, when I got into card games, I feel like everybody just played played their game. You know, they were either into Yu-Gi-Oh! or they were into Pokemon or they were into Magic or, or you, you know, um, and, and just played that. Nowadays, when I go to local gaming stores uh, and I look at the community and stuff, uh, so many people are into multiple games. It's kind of like, you know, for, for PC gaming, for example, like, you, gen- you know, you don't just play one game, do you, right? Like, if you're a PC gamer, there's, there's usually you know a few different games that that you'll play but mainly you know maybe there's one game that's kind of your main or something that you focus a little bit more on but then you you have these side games as well and i think that that's really what the tcg industry is becoming for a lot of people um I, I think that these games like One Piece and Locana and stuff are doing amazing things for the industry in that they're taking these quite, quite normalized IPs and putting them into this into a card game form that, you know, didn't used to be normalized. And now it is becoming like that. Right. Like, uh, I think um, it, it was really exciting for me to hear from like my, you know, nephews and stuff that are like 11, 12, 13, that like 
pretty much everybody they know knows about Pokemon or has collected Pokemon cards. And like, you know, a bunch of them have played Magic Arena and now some of them are collecting One Piece cards and stuff like that. Like it wasn't like that when I was at school. You know what I mean? Like like card games were this kind of weird you know, dungeony niche side thing and D and D and you know all, all of this sort of stuff. It just wasn't normalized like it is today. Um, and I think that these things like Lacana and One Piece and stuff like that are really helping to um, to push that narrative that this that, that card games are, are for everybody. Um, you know, uh, and um, yeah, I I I think that Flesh and Blood's position in it is like the 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 thing that Flesh and Blood have going for it is they've created an incredible game and community around it as well uh and organized play and that focus and stuff like to be honest they do just do it better than anybody else you know even these guys that have been doing it for 20 years or whatever like like lss i i think put out the best experience um uh and i think it's the best game so uh for, from a gameplay perspective so i do i do think that you know the these these smaller ips don't threaten uh flesh and blood to the extent that they help flesh and blood. I think that they introduce more people to this world and to this niche. And then those people, if they want to take the next step and they want to get, you know, if, if, if they get that taster of organized play and stuff and they want to get, you know, uh, kind of move on from there, flesh and blood is a perfect game to move into. It's just going to be important that LSS keeps capitalizing on that and make sure that the organized play structure is done really, really well and that the game continues to be uh, an incredible one. I think that LSS would never be afraid of competition and growing competition uh, to that degree. I mean, if they if they joined the fray amidst the you know worst aspects of COVID uh, in a magic dominated arena without a digital client and came out better than they went mm -hmm. in, like I think that's that's yeah. them saying, dude, we don't care about the competition because we basically cut our teeth in like the worst possible conditions. However, they do have to at least be cognizant of the fact that, like you mentioned, in the same vein that people might get turned turned towards a card game or getting interested in a card game because of an IP, for example, you know, I don't know how many posts I've seen of people in Lorcana discussion groups saying, this is my first card game because I like Disney. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. This could just be like Lorcana could just be the gateway drug to bigger, better card games. And that is a player that otherwise would never have played or tried it that eventually might make that leap over. But at the same at the same time, not all games are going to be simple and, and, and basic as Lorcana. Um, some of them will develop multiple layers as they continue to grow. And, you know, a lot of people are already just kind of devout One Piece players because of the the gameplay being simplistic yet layered. You know, it's it's very it's very strategic in that regard, but it's not flesh and blood in terms of so many decisions, so so little variance that outcomes and are, are almost I don't want to say predetermined, but are very much if X players playing X deck versus X player on this deck it's probably an 80% sure thing that you know who's going to win that that particular matchup. Nonetheless, I feel like they still have to sort of at least be wary of the fact that with that many landmines out there, they got to tread softly. They can't mess up, mess things up anymore. They like you said, like those hall passes are kind of expired and they're leaning on perhaps their last one and worlds can be 
a pretty devastating thing if they don't pull that rabbit out of their hat in short order. Any of these games like kind of catch your eye at all? Uh, like a little bit here and there. Like ultimately, I think um, great. Uh, like One Piece, I think will carry on for a little bit, but will eventually die off. Like you know, there's uh, there's only so much you can lean on 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 a uh, loved IP like this. Um, and uh, you know, to be honest, Bandai kind of have a bit of a uh, a bit of a history of um, yeah, they they go hard in a game for a little while and then they move on to another one. You know, um, so Bandai games generally don't last out. Um, so yeah, I don't have huge hopes into the future of One Piece, but I think it's really good right now. Um, Grand Archive is one that I think uh, uh, has has some serious potential. Um, it has you know one of the better resource systems that I've experienced in a card game. It's got depth, but it's also you know a, a little bit simplistic. It's kind of got in the balance quite right, um, and they seem to be doing some really good stuff with with OP as well. Um, so I think that one's probably got some of the higher potential. Um, and then uh, yeah, I mean uh, sorceries coming out. Uh, later this year as well. I don't think that's going to be the same sort of thing. I don't think there's going to be a big OP push or whatever, but I think that that might be a really fun side game for people, you know, something that that, that you just play kitchen table sort of thing or is kind of like, you know, what Commander is for Magic or whatever, like for other other gamers is that, you know, maybe they, they, they play a, a little bit of sorcery on the side for a bit of fun and a bit of nostalgia and a bit of, you know, um, yeah, just cool stuff. So I think that that might be really good in a very different way than flesh and blood's really good. So um, yeah, th- those are kind of the ones that I've got my eye on a little bit more uh, at the moment. Um, and then uh, yeah, we'll kind of see, I mean, there's so many, right? So yeah. I, I don't have a huge amount of time to, to like try them all out um, and play them and stuff. But I do, I do try to at least, a welcome deck thing of most games you know i do try to play uh you know the the very basic level or starter deck level of most games to get a feel of, of, of how it is and just because i'm so in, entrenched in this industry um and uh yeah grand archive is probably the one that stood out to me the most uh, i don't blame you i mean i've played grand archive uh it's got demoed to me i i played a round of it i actually won my first game my 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 oh, first game of Grand Archive, I actually beat somebody, which was quite fascinating. I was like, "Oh, I see what this is. I see what we're doing here." And it was it was a pretty fun experience. Not not to uh, uh, sell it short at all. It was great. The one game that I am so so excited for, you probably can guess, it's Star Wars Unlimited, man. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I would oh. guess that. Yeah, Woo! I'm not gonna lie. Look. Um, I, I read the rules. I saw some of the cards. I got in touch with them. Uh, I have another podcast. My other podcast is called Wampa Radio with Charmer. We do uh, Star Wars Unlimited. Yeah. Um, played some demos. The game is is pretty solid, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. Plus, it's Star Wars, dude. Like, I don't even care what yeah. it is. Whenever <laughs> you can have, like, an X-Wing blow up a TIE fighter, and that's because I decided that, that makes me feel like I'm, like, yeah. a game that I want to play. But that's a whole other discussion. What I do want to dig into is that big, ripe Matt brain of yours. Um, one of the questions that we received was from Hugo Ribeiro saying, since you won Monarch Draft Calling in 2021, uh, did you find anything new about the format? Because in Fab with Matt, you talked about this approach of forcing and sending strong signals early 
but not being married to your picks, jumping over if needed. Has that changed at all um, in terms of Monarch? Everybody is getting their grubby mitts on Monarch draft now, and because of COVID, that was something that a lot of people couldn't do. So how do you feel about the strategies and maybe walk us through some of those basic strategies for people who might not be prepared for Monarch draft? Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've been doing quite a bit of Monarch draft lately as well, um, which has been a lot of fun. Um, uh, I, I love Monarch. I think it's still, def, you know, probably my favorite draft format. Um, and I think it is I think it is quite different to draft formats like Tails and Uprising and and and, and uh, Outsiders. So I think people will quickly realize that this is a very different draft experience um, uh, in that. Yeah, like the, the there is so much more depth to the actual drafting um, than these other draft sets and uh, that, you know, the signals are so important. It's so important to be sending them and reading them. Um, uh, and getting them right and the good thing about this draft format and why I quite like it is is you is, is you don't have to get married early um, you know there have been there has been multiple drafts where I have chosen my hero you know in in pack two at some point there was a draft I did the other the other day where I literally chose my hero at the end of pack two um, uh, and um, <laughs> what other draft format can you do that without having an absolute train wreck right so this this is a draft format where it's like quite easy to stay you know stay shadow or stay light but also stay between um like bolton and chain because of like all of the generics and belittle and stuff like that and then also stay between uh levia and prism because of like some of the the um, uh, bigger cards and other generics there as well. So you can actually stay open between two classes or even three classes if you're staying open between like the two shadow and then maybe like Bolton or Chain or something like that um, for, for quite a while and really get a good gauge on on, on the signals of the table. Like I, I find that a lot of drafts by like by the end of pack two, I can generally pick what's what's around the table where whether it's like three boltons one you know three boltons one prism two chain two levy or something like that like i you know i you, you generally have a pretty good idea of where the mix is and a massive amount of the drafts actually come down to two 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 like the last four monarch drafts i've done have all been two 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 um uh so it, it's getting to the point where more than 50 percent of the drafts i'm doing is like yeah people are in the seats that they're supposed to be and they end up in the classes that they're supposed to be in and i think that that is because you can lean around so much uh but at the same time like the signaling is really really strong it's and really important because you know uh the pack breakdown right like there are three class shadow cards and three um, class light cards in each pack then there's an equipment two rares a foil and five cards that are between generic shadow or light okay so the shadow light class cards you know you'll either get uh two levia cards and one chain card or two chain cards and one levier card in each pack in the in the class slots, or you'll get you know two prism cards and one Bolton, or two Bolton and, and and one prism, right? So in the you know two Bolton one prism, if you take the prism card, you send a very clear strong signal that you have taken a prism card, and that doesn't mean that you have to end up in 
prism, but it means that like the people you're passing to are probably going to um, stay away from prism, which means that if it is open coming the other way, you can jump in and then be in a really, really good spot. Um, so I find the best strategy is to send a couple of strong signals of where I'm looking to jump early. And then if those are open, I can jump in and, and be, be, be pretty, um, you know, comfortable that, uh, I've sent signals that will, uh, keep the others away from those if I do jump in. But it also means that I take enough, so I take a good mix of kind of generic cards, um, and shadow slash light cards so that I can still be a little bit open and end up where the people passing to me are putting me into as well. That's under the impression that you're drafting with people who know what the hell they're doing. Um, uh, I remember, <laughs> true story, I'm not even joking. It wasn't even, it wasn't, it wasn't a flesh and blood draft, but I was drafting magic yeah. way back when, and the person passing to me was on their phone with like the 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 like buy list or like with the value of the cards and looking at the stuff and being <laughs> and I'm like the epitome of rare drafting like the absolute epitome I'm like what are yeah. you here for like what are you here for and it's like I just threw down 10 bucks and I wanted to leave with like 13 like that's basically what they wanted to do they want to yeah. spend an hour and a half making three dollars you know so it's like <laughs> no problem you make your two bucks an hour I'm gonna draft some cards here but uh, the, I mean, I, I get what you're saying here. Like, what you're like, the, I was gonna, you basically illustrated it perfectly, which was in that slot of three light cards, three three class light cards. Let's say it's two warrior, one prism, one illusionist. If you if you yoink that card, that illusionist card, you've signaled to the person you're passing to that that's what you're on, and to lay off of it to a degree. But also, at the same time, you're not seeing dividends of that until the cards come back your way. Is it not too risky to a degree if you're playing in a casual pod, let's say, or if there's players who are, you know, not necessarily high tier or high caliber, where they're not, they might not be paying attention to that? Like, at a certain point, you have to also, I guess, take into account the skill level of the pod you're with, right? Yeah, well, I mean, people can always suicide bomb you right like that's just part of part of card games um <laughs> but i think i think that the the bigger thing isn't like the the bigger thing is just working out what the other people are doing right like it doesn't matter too much if um if they're not reading your signals as long as you're reading the signals coming your way that that's the important part so like by sending those signals yes you're sending clear signals that that's where you want to be um but you're still very open to switching into anything that that that, that you need to be in and that, that i think what's really important um, and a key thing about this draft format is there's so many more playables so people have, have gotten very used to um you know uprising and outsiders where like you end up close to a 30 card deck and monarch you usually have a few more cards to give right you can usually get you know it's not hard to get a 35 card deck if you start in a class and you're able to stay in that class right so in that same vein it's quite easy to switch over um so if you're, you know, uh, you, you can give up three picks from your first, you know, seven picks if you need to in order to switch over a class and you'll probably still get 30 
you, you know, you should still get a 30 plus card deck as long as that's the class that you're supposed to be in. Like as long as that's the class that's open. Um, so I feel like at least in this draft format, you can sacrifice a little bit, a, a few more cards and you can stay open. And the important thing is being in that class that others aren't in. Um, you know, I, I generally, if you're, if you're the solo in one class, you you uh, uh, in in one hero you're generally just going to win the draft. Like I think, or or you you've got such a better chance no matter which which class that is. So my aim, you know, if I'm ever in a draft that's not two 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 two, my aim is to be that solo. You know, if if somebody's three in a class and there's two two in others, I want to be that 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 um that that final class. And if I have to give up five picks to be that, I'll give up five picks to be that. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, that, that's very much what happened in my calling top eight. I, I jumped into chain, uh, and ended up being the solo chain at the table. Like I got, I got, I'd already passed clear signals, um, for both Prism and Bolton. Uh, and there were a lot of really strong Prism and Bolton cards. So I knew that there was going to be quite likely more than two Prism slash Bolton players. There was going to be three of one of those. Um, and I, I worked that out reasonably early in pack one. So I was like, okay. Okay, I want to figure out which shadow hero is 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 the is the one that there's only going to be one of, and I want to try to be that one. So, um, and then you know when it works out, the decks are incredible. <laughs> so, all things considered, in an even in an even field, let's say it is two 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 two, is there one yeah. hero that might just have like a marginal edge altogether? Maybe Bolton, but it all depends on how many V for the Vanguards are opened in that in that you know in those twenty four packs, right? So V for a Vanguard is the big thing there. Like if a Bolton deck's got a couple of those, it'll probably be the the most powerful deck. Um, uh, yeah, but I think all all the classes are pretty even. Like it, it is really close. Um, uh, chain is a lot harder to play than, than the other classes. So I think chain does a lot worse in this draft format, uh, uh, than the other classes simply because it is a very complex puzzle to put together. Um, uh, and you know, if you make one wrong misstep, you're going to fatigue yourself or you're going to, you know, blood, blood dead out yourself. You're going to put yourself in a spot where they can, you know, turn turn and attack your um your your resources. Uh, so I think chain loses a, a bit more than the other three heroes, mainly because uh you know uh, because of player error, uh because of play mistakes, because it is really quite hard to play. But I think ultimately, if you've got the best players in the world drafting it, I think all four are really really close in power level, and the only one that w- might be slightly better is Bolton. I feel like there's a certain you know, reason where if you're pl- up against the player that you think is sort of is is kind of giving off the vibes that they are not comfortable with with playing Leviah or Chain, is just turtling up the best option and let them kill themselves to a degree, be it through blood debt or or decking themselves out. Like I, I you know, I've I've decked out really good chain players but when it but it's it was always exceptionally challenging but when it comes to playing a chain player who's just sort of figuring things out or might not have a lot of reps on the hero and that could very well be the case because chain for a lot of players who are getting into the game right now chain they might have heard it because it was the boogeyman for so long it was uh, arguably the one of the best decks to ever exist they hear about it they see it's living legend they might start grabbing it because hey i watched a youtube video or two i think i know what i'm doing I feel yeah. like just turtling up and fatiguing a, a, 
an average chain player, like one of the best questions you can ask them is like, oh, when did you get into the game? And if they said, oh, I got in at, I, you know, I got in at uh, Uprising, you're like, and you're playing chain? Ooh, baby, we're fatiguing you. That is the way we're going. Like, is, is that a viable option against those two decks? Such a shock. Like. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, I'm like, look, we're all out there to win this event. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, sometimes you're just, you know, you're just doing a little detective work. That's all. Yeah, I mean, yes, yes, to a degree, but you still need to have the deck to be able to do it. So, like, you know, if you've got a deck with a bunch of block twos and only 30 cards, like, that's not a strategy you can take, because even an inexperienced chain player will probably be able to, um, uh, you know, push enough through you, um, uh, as long as their deck's good. Um, so it kind of depends. But, yeah, if you if you have, like, a, you know, Baltimore Prison deck with, like, a bunch of block threes and very few no blocks and, and uh, you know, you have a 33-card deck or whatever, then, yeah, that, that strategy will work the majority of the time if the chain player doesn't know how to, like, perfectly sequence their deck. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's still contextual. If you have too many block twos, you can put yourself in a pretty poor spot doing that um, uh, as well. So <laughs> Cool. All right, uh, now we'll we'll, uh, we'll pull the plug on uh, the uh, the draft strategy there and the the flake <laughs> school of sharking people, which is not what I'm trying yeah. to do. <laughs> I don't think any nobody get into monarch draft though. Definitely, I I will say to everybody, like even if you're not playing nationals, monarch draft is a lot of fun. It's one of the funnest ways to play this game, in my opinion. So um, if you have an opportunity to do a few drafts, get into it. It's deep. It's complex but it's also really really fun true story uh monarch draft was the first ever limited uh armory i ever did in my entire life the first ever event i ever did was a cc i think it was like just a cc armory played katsu got my my ass beat uh and then the next time i think i went two and one in a in a monarch draft and i felt like a boss because i didn't know what the hell i was doing (laughs) I had no clue. I think I was playing <laughs> Leviah. Which, that was it. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. It was great because I remember I was playing against a very prominent Canadian player who I don't think really plays anymore. Nonetheless, I was playing and I was new and I was like, again, I'm a seasoned card player. I kind of know what I'm doing, but I was still very new to the game. And I think I, I was on Leviah and I think I had a couple things in my banish zone. I was going to eat blood debt. They were, I had like, 12 health left they presented 10 or something like that and i was like yeah i'll take it they're like uh are you sure i was like yeah they're like i probably suggest that you block this i'm like no i'm cool i'll take it they're like okay they're like you know i'm probably gonna kill you next turn and i was like if you live you very well might you very well might and then i i ended up winning on my next turn and they're like and they were not they were not happy They were not happy. Got him. Uh, well, got him. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk, my friend, about um, your your other, your I don't want to call it your side gig, because I think this is pretty much who you are now, which is PCG grading, which is what? Premier card grading? Uh, that is a Matt Rogers endeavor, right? You and I have talked about this almost every single time you've been on the show. And every single time you've been on the show, You've brought me a little gift, uh, either some little piece of information, some major announcement, little bit of a tease here or there. And before we even get into it, Matt, every question, almost every question, the majority of the questions I got were uh, in all caps, all caps from Greg at Darth Prentice. 
Fab Slabs when? Exclamation point question mark from Clark Jensen. Hey, uh, Fab Slabs? Like, when's that happening? And how will it work with double-sided marvels and stuff like that? I don't want to get into it much. You take the floor. Tell us what the hell's going on with these Fab Slabs. It's it's uh, it's all around. They're never actually coming. Yeah. <laughs> Are you? Yeah, like worlds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, Fab Slab. Yeah. It's 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 been a lot of fun. Um, but it's For also who? been whoa whoa very, whoa. Very that is a very <laughs> very um one-sided admission to make. Yeah, this has been fun. Meanwhile, everyone else is just kind of scratching their head, saying, "What the hell are you doing?" Sitting there, like, "Come on, man." Yeah. No, it's taken. Taken a long time to, to develop this, um, but we're there. Uh, so, um, yeah, so we, we've been, you know, uh, designing and in development of this fab slab for about a year now. Um, it's gone, it's gone, yeah, like gone through multiple, multiple molds, uh, countless molds and different testers and stuff like that. And we've had, we've been really trying to kind of tweak small things and get everything perfect. I, I'm, I'm, I was absolutely dedicated from the start that I want to put out a, a, a hugely superior product here, and it needs to be, you know, top of the range. It needs to needs to fulfill everything that that I want it to fulfill, and I've been very, um, yeah, <laughs> very focused on that. So, uh, yeah, we've we, we've changed a lot and we've done a lot of tweaks, and I think we, we've got to a to a um, pretty much a finished product now. So, um, yeah, as is tradition uh, in sharing little things with you. I've brought with me a fab slab. What? Is this a world exclusive? <laughs> is this the first time we get to see a finished fab slab? Give yes, it to so us. This is, this, is the first, this is the first fab slab uh, in existence right now. Um, uh, so there's, I mean, it's still not entirely finished just because the label's not correct. Um, we don't have the new uh, labels that fit the fab slabs yet because we've just got our first trial run of the fab slabs and have confirmed it. Um, and you know, this this is what what it's going to be, and we're probably not going to change it anymore. So now we'll we'll, we'll print the labels for them. Um, so uh, yeah, so I've um, I've got a codex of frailty here um, that is completely encapsulated and fab slabbed up. So I'll show you that one right there. So as you can see, it's only slightly bigger than the card. So it's more along the lines of a um, snap. Uh, you know, you got your little little PCG down at the bottom there. And then, uh, yeah, this is fully encapsulated. Um, yeah, put it, so how this is put it a little bit more towards the center if possible, right in the center of the screen. Yeah, because there we go. That's yeah. perfect right there. Yeah, okay, show it so off. So yeah, so this this is how a fab slab will be. It'll be, you know, uh, in a case that's just slightly, I mean, this is the fab slab, right? So this is the case, just slightly bigger than the card. Uh, the label will be on the back. Um, at the moment, I've just used a tester label here that we've cut so that it's the right size um, uh, uh, for this. So this isn't the actual label. Um, the label will look like this. This, this would be the actual label for it. So Codex of Frailty there. Sorry, that's... Uh, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, it, uh, so that's how the label will look. So there's there'll be the QR code on the front there. There's the subgrades. There's the card. There's everything like that. And that, that label will be showing uh, at that point. So, you know, uh, upper middle there in, in the case. So you're still able to see all your corners and relevant information there as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, it'll have the QR code and all of the information, uh, you know, just on one side of the label, obviously, because you can't see it on the other side like our other cases. Um, the 
the sides of the label you'll see here will be gold on the sides here and that will actually show through ever so slightly on the sides here as well so when this fab slab is in play you'll be able to see a little a little strip of gold on the sides that will indicate that that's a 9.5 or a strip of silver that will indicate that that's a 9 uh, and then you turn it over and you have all of the actual uh, uh, grades for it there as well so oh, that's that's pretty um, neat i like that yeah yeah it's 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 really cool so um yeah i'm super happy with this this uh end end product is yeah it's it's, it's going to be really good um and i'm i'm excited to actually get to play with these and not have to play with these clunky slabs like i always have been so. <laughs> yeah you're you're um it, it's hilarious because like when you play it, it looks less like a, a game like a board state and more like an advertisement like kind of like a garage sale of all the stuff that you've got going on yeah. there i always say my favorite line to say is that uh, whenever you're playing on camera with all of your stuff there, I always mention about how if there's ever any indication of Matt Rogers' humility, he only graded his cards in 9.5. <laughs> you know, rather than a perfect 10. <laughs> so he there's he's, he's a he's a he's a citizen like us. You know, he's not royalty uh, just yet. Oh but yeah, I mean to, to to be honest, most of the Oldham equipment I played were nines actually. <laughs> there was only a couple of 9.5s, but. Um, yeah, just you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't specifically look for the mintest cards or whatever. I, I, I get what I get. I open what I open in a box or whatever. I submit it um, uh, to grading. Uh, the graders don't know that they're my cards, right? So all of the submissions at PCG are all by barcode, so nobody knows whose cards they are, and they just get what they get, and I just play with them. I'm just, you know, you know, <laughs> I'm uh, not, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to get them all unified or trying to get the most perfect cards or anything like that. Um, yeah. Just, just playing with what, whatever I open. I get in trouble for showing up with like white bordered, you know, white bordered equipment. I remember <laughs> going and playing in a tournament. And I had white border bullseye bracers, and they're like, "Get that out of here!" Like, yeah, let, I, can't let, that one I can't anymore. <laughs> but they're like, "Let's let's hook you up with a real one." I was like, "No, this is by choice, man." Like, I actually. I love it. Like I have right here. I did a giveaway in the other podcast, the Star Wars one, where I gave away a Millennium Falcon, and this is a white border card as well, dude. Like it's just white border is the way to go. And right next to me here, oh, there's my. I, why not? Let's just show this one there. That's my loom, my foil lumina lance. It's beautiful, dude. I gotta say, like all of the art from Monarch in foil and whatever was always beautiful, but I thought uh, I lucked out and. I've only been able to uh, spoil one legendary, which was uh, for outsiders. I got to spoil uh, a legendary equipment. This is the first time, or that was the first time. And when they sent me this, I was like, I have no idea what I'm getting. Maybe I'm getting a legendary, you know, this and that. And they're like, no, you don't have a podcast anymore. You're a scrub. We're sending you a Majestic. And I am <laughs> so happy that I got one of the nicest and powerful ones. And you know what yeah, Lumina Lance yeah, does, right? Like, yeah. what is your evaluation of my spoiler card? Um, yeah, like it's, yeah, I, it, it's definitely interesting. I like, that's the thing is like, I don't really, I, I'm not really seeing light. Um, I'm, I'm not really seeing the light. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, I don't really understand Prism yet. Uh, and I, 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 I don't feel like, I'm not sure how she's going to be competitive. Like it's such a, it's such a disadvantage to start on 32 life. I heard that. Uh, someone booing prism is that what happened 
Yeah, that's uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Start staff in the office that are obviously overhearing the thing and booing that I don't like Prism. Uh, <laughs> we, we have a lot of fa- uh, passionate fab um, fab players in the office here. So, uh, and there's obviously a passionate Prism fan over there. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I I don't think Bolton gets enough, and I just don't really understand Prism. So I'm not sure how competitive the light heroes are going to be and how much play some of these light cards are are, are going to see uh, at the top level, but I'm completely prepared to be proven wrong. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, one more thing about your about your Fab Slab there is I know that you and I, in discussion of the progress about the Fab Slabs and such, is that you didn't quite get the design you wanted. You'd get something back, and it's like, you know what, this this it's it's 98% there, and I'm not willing to just round up to 100. How many variations of that Fab Slab design did you reject before you approved this one? Close to 10. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, uh, close to double digits. Um, it, it's all just tiny, minute um, uh, changes. But with every minute change, we, you know, for, for the vast majority of them, you, you have to make a new mold. Um, and so that takes weeks. And then the, the next sample run needs to, you know, uh, be made and then sent to New Zealand and, and everything like that. So each of these changes do take quite a long time. Some of them six, eight weeks uh, in, in totality to, to to get the next um, fully sample, you know, full sample ready to go. So I don't know exactly how many tweaks, but it was definitely quite a few. Um, but yeah, I think it's worth it. I think you know uh, every you know uh, there, there are even you know there, there's even like small things like uh, how how the card sits and what's kind of made here for the card to sit on, uh, how the label sits, how the label sits against the card, um, how we open the slab, like if we need to crack a slab or whatever, like the you know the ways, um, yeah, basically the the pieces that are put here so that damage um, can't happen to the card if we want to open the slab uh you know there's it's it's kind of countless the amount of different things because um you know it was also down to fitting like every single uh, or fitting the majority of deck boxes and stuff like that like we want these slabs to be easy to to carry around um so it, it was you know shaving things off the top and off the sides and stuff and making it the right uh uh you know kind of thickness there as well that you can get a full equipment set and, and everything that you'd need into a reasonable uh reasonable sized box and then you know uh you know how how they stack and how they're easy to be packed up again after you play even you know if you want to like pack up all of your equipment and stack them on the top and then just slot them into a box without accidentally going douche and having all your slabs fall all over the floor, right? So sure. there's there's all sorts of little things like that that like I need to get right because if I don't if I don't put out a perfect product here, like that that's you know it's it's my reputation and you know this whole year of work on the line here. Like I've put so much focus and work and attention into this that if we don't get it right, it was all for nothing. So I. I need to put out a perfect product that we've thought about everything on. No, and it looks like you did a good job there. Again, the fact that they slot into the deck boxes, which is clutch. That's what everybody wants these days, especially for a game that starts with such high-value cards on the table. Um, (laughs) Out of curiosity, uh, cost. 
uh, of this? Is that something that you've already knocked down and, and, and um, identified? Is this just a standard submission and an option? Like, I want the standard slabbing or I want the fab slabbing. What is, uh, what's the cost of, let's say, a standard turnaround for a single card evaluation into a fab slab? Yeah, so I, I'm pushing pretty hard for it to be the same. I'd like it to be the same, um, but you know we've got you know we've got PCG offices all over the world. We've got you know uh, obviously like all of the margin considerations and everything and the and the time and you know these cases have cost a massive amount to develop. So I have to figure out how to kind of bake that in uh, uh, into the margins there as well. Um, so I, we haven't completely finalized that, but m my my utopia is that I can get to a justifiable figure that, you, you know, I, I can get to a point where I can justify it at the same price. Um, and so that's going to depend also on demand and volume as well. Like, you know, with, with with anything like this, if I can print enough of it, if people want it enough, if people go hard for Fab Slab um, uh, and I can print enough of it, I can I can get the, you know, per unit cost in uh, to a point where, where I can do that. So, it, yeah, all, all of that math still has to be done now that, um, you know, now that we've kind of finalized it and now that all the costs have, have, have been paid um, and now that we've figured out like you know it's kind of how many minutes are involved in in the in the full process of uh, grading and, and, and slabbing a, a fab slab but what I'm thinking is if we can't get it to the same price um, what I'm going to offer in the fab slab is also an authentication service so something that is cheaper and should even be cheaper than a normal slab uh, where People where, where people aren't actually getting the cards graded, they're just getting them authenticated. So basically, you'd submit a card, we'd authenticate that it's real, we'd put it inside a fab slab, and we'd put an authentication label here rather than a graded label. So they won't get 9.5 or 10 or 9, they'll just get A for authentication and then the, the details of the card. Um, so that that's another service uh, that I want to bring out with this if I can't... Um, Probably either way, uh, but a service for people that don't really care about getting their cards graded, don't really care whether it's a 9 or a 9.5 or anything like that, just want to preserve their cards and play with them and, you know, keep, keep them in the exact condition that they are forever. Um, uh, then, then I think an authentication service will be the right thing for those people. So um, if I can't get the slab to the same price as a normal grade, I'll have an authentication service that's even less than a normal grade uh, in its place. When is this going to be available? So we are launching at Worlds. Um, so you have to So we don't know. <laughs> that's the other thing. I can't, I, I can't be, give a transparent date to, to, to our customers and our fans because uh, LSS hasn't yet as well. So, um, but yes, we're, we're going to be, we've, we've decided and we've announced we're going to be launching the Fab Slab at Worlds this year. Awesome. So uh, we never or wherever November. that happens. Just say November, yeah. dude, because I think I'm pretty okay. sure it's all in November as far as I am aware, which is not, but I think it's safe to say <laughs> Fab Slabs November. <laughs> dude, let's just cross our fingers, man. I mean, like, <laughs> it's it, at, at the very least. Uh, let's, you know what? Let's just hang out in November, you and I. Let's just make that happen all one right, way or another. Deal? Awesome. Uh, uh, and you said that there's going to be a PCG uh, office in opening in Toronto soon? What? <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> All right, I'll go back and I'll, I, I will do me a favor. Can you say Toronto real quick? 
Bronzo. Perfect. All right. I, now I've got some creative. I've got some creative creative editing to do. You're just gonna doctor this. Oh my god. <laughs> oh yeah. Nice. Perfect. Remember when you said this? No. Well, too bad you said it. Oh, Matt, Matt, Matt. So, yeah, so we're, we're, wherever Worlds is, whenever it is, uh, PCG is going to have a booth there. We're going to do on-site grading there. So we're going to send all the equipment to the event. We're going to send a bunch of staff from New Zealand office, from the other offices, from offices all around the world to this event. Uh, and we're going to be launching Fab Slab there. Uh, and it's going to be a really, really special thing. So Beautiful. Well, I look forward to it again because... You know what's better than a white border Millennium Falcon from 1993 is a graded white border Millennium Falcon. There we go. <laughs> from wait, the year is printed on here somewhere. Uh, 1995. I was wrong, dude. I did you just did you just witness me doing the old man look? I looked over the top yeah, of my glasses. Yeah. Oh my god. Just I'm gonna edit that out because that makes me look really old. Uh, we're young, Matt Rogers. We're young and vibrant, and life is good. You hear that? Yeah, that, that does. Yep, I don't. You know, I don't go see a chiropractor for my sore back or anything like that. <laughs> I am so old that I've already gone through uh, every chiropractor and like osteopath in my area and I'm now running out of <laughs> options. I'm like, I'm at that point where when you get old and something hurts, that's just the way it is. It's just like, yeah, that'll happen yeah. now. So deal with it. Oh boy. Uh, I want to ask you one more, one more thing before we cut you loose there, buddy. You know, there was always talk about the best players in the world Um uh, a flesh and blood hall of fame. I am such a, a fan of celebrating the people behind the games. You know, the, like what flesh and blood outside of a rule book is really the community and the people who play it, right? Like that's, that is the identity of the game and celebrating these people. If there was a flesh and blood hall of fame, you can pick yeah. three players and one community content, non, not like somebody who, has an impact but is outside of like the competition thing who is in your first ballot who gets into that first that first wave oh interesting okay uh well michael hamilton and pablo pintor um are, are definitely you know uh are, are the two players um in terms of content creators uh, and not allowed to pick you, I guess. <laughs> well, I don't think I deserve it, but you can absolutely. Um, you know. I, I think I'd, I think I'd, I think I'd like to see Hayden Dale in there. I think um, in terms of from a content um, creator standpoint with Arsenal Pass and from a player standpoint that, you know, he's he's somebody that's over this side of the world so doesn't get anywhere near the opportunities, um, uh, you know, to play these bigger events, but as somebody that has done consistently well. He's he's won a calling, um, he's won nationals, he's... he's uh, Top aided countless callings. Um, he's, you know, uh, he was ninth at Worlds, right? Like he's, he consistently does well at the top level as well. Um, and then he does so much for the game in the background as well through uh, Arsenal Pass and, and 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 everything like that. So he'd probably be my third pick there. That's a good option. I like those. Those are great names. I think that maybe a year ago, uh, or I think I think a year from now, a lot of people are going to be just insta locking Brody Spurlock. I like I've been on the Brody yeah, train for about a year and a half. <laughs> like I yeah. a year and a half ago, I was telling people I'm like, dude, there's this kid 
Okay, there's this kid who just picked up the game. You got to watch out for him because he picked up the game exactly, I think, a year and a half ago. Uh, he he yeah. picked it up, I think, in like December of 2021, around that time or whatever, and then started winning armories and, and small tournaments. And I was like, yeah, he's going to be good. And then I met him. I'm like, yeah, and it's not just that he's good. He's a well-rounded, bright, polite, yeah. good, good person. And I'm like, and that's Probably dangerous for the game as well for young people as well. For so sure, think, yeah. And yeah, he had yeah. he had no team. He had uh, his support network was just whoever thought he was a good kid and wanted to help him out. And that's the dangerous part because yeah. if you're good and people like you, they are more inclined to help you succeed. And he is on this meteoric rise. I think that a year from now, people are going to be looking at Brody Spurlock and saying. My, like who the hell was Michael Hamilton? And no, that is that is that is not <laughs> oh, lowering bro. the bar. On my, well, I know, and Michael Hamilton is gonna murder me in my sleep. I am fully aware of this capacity <laughs> for ruthless life ending. Uh, but that said, I think that Brody Spurlock is gonna raise the bar even more because I think he now has yeah. the support and the the he's insulated by high talent, high caliber, um, not just players but people to that they are just out there to win seeing him and like michael fang together winning is such it just it's you know when you're like you know there's so many things wrong in the world but those two winning makes me believe that there's justice in the world you know like then good people succeed and that is the feeling i get and yeah you can call me a Brody Stan, a Brody Spurlock fan. I, of course, I say it all the time. I am not hiding it. I'm on broadcasts cheering this guy on, being a complete homer when it comes to Brody Spurlock. You, you, you're, uh, you're, you're literally one of those guys that's like, man, I watched Justin Bieber's videos on YouTube before he was big. Like, uh, you know, I made him. <laughs> I don't want to say I made him. I don't want to say I made him. But... I was pumping this kid's tires, man, when he still had training wheels, is all I'm saying, all right? that That's, and he has just, he, I don't want to say he's surpassed me, because I've never, I wasn't even on the freaking radar, but this kid is, like, taking this game to another echelon. I, I It's no longer what deck is Michael Hamilton playing, what deck is Pablo Pintor playing, etc. It is, what the hell is Brody Spurlock doing? And the scary part about that is it, it could be anything, and he'll just, he'll just win. Like, uh, all right. That said, last question. Who's the scariest player in Flesh and Blood today? Right now? Right now. Nick Butcher. Nick, Nick Butcher is, 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 is the guy you don't want to sit across from right now. He's hot off a calling win. He is fully dedicated, and he has the hunger. He has the hunger to win. Uh, so if there's anybody I don't want to be sitting across from, the, and obviously I'm biased here. He's a he's a mate and a teammate and testing partner and everything. So yeah, like I'm just gonna be biased. But um, right now you don't want to be sitting across the table from Nick Butcher. He is the hunger to destroy you. <laughs> is uh is is Team Dragon Shield still a thing, or or how is that? What, what's the story with uh, Team Dragon Shield? So not really. Um, <laughs> so Dragon Shield didn't didn't renew our contract. Um, they're still considering it at the moment. Uh, for them, I think uh, like the fab sleeves haven't gone very well for them, and they were kind of justifying the budget based off 
the ROI for that. Um, and you know, their accounts department has basically said this doesn't match up. Like the this there's there's not enough in the budget to keep doing this Team Dragon Shield thing. You guys, you know, you guys need to to cut that or cut something else or whatever. And we've we've just said that you know, like we're 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 not too fast either way. Like we're happy if 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 they need to cut us, they need to cut us. Um, so they're still considering it uh, uh, at this point. Um, uh, in the meantime, Nick's taken a sponsorship ish sort of deal with us. Arsenal pass with Hayden um, so I think he's going to be wearing Arsenal pass shirts from now on uh, unless Dragon Shield come back and finalize a deal there um, and then uh, yeah I mean I'm I'm not fussed either way so um, I might wear a Dragon Shield shirt I might not they might come back soon they might offer us another deal which would probably probably take or, or or not or whatever but yeah uh Tarek, isaac and i are, are, are not really too fussed either way we 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 did the team thing because it was really cool and because we really loved the dragon shield brand and we were really happy to represent them um but it's got to work for them as well so yeah my hayden dale with his arsenal pass money i swear to god i'm telling you <laughs> instant speed was like reached out to brody spurlock i'm like dude i will buy you two loaves of wonder bread every weekend that you play and he said no, thank you. I was like, okay, good, because I couldn't afford it anyways. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you're offering the ham to go with it. You would have gone. Oh, I forget it. Are you kidding me? No, no, no. Protein? No. Pro protein? That's that, that's now we're talking like Wizards of the Coast money, okay? Like we're not there yet, okay? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I gotta, I gotta talk to Kayfabe Cards and be like, guys, you gotta hook me up here because Brody Spurlock wants some Black Forest ham, and I I can't do it right now. <laughs> Matt, it's always oh, wow. a pleasure, my friend, to have you on the show. Yeah, and I, too, honestly, you were the like the second choice that I had to relaunch this show with. And I thought I was the third choice. You you keep changing it. I don't know if I believe you anymore. Uh, I have disowned Brian uh, Brian Gottlieb. Uh, okay, so yeah, okay. So I'm giving him the "it's not you, it's me" routine. I rejected him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I have some like. What's funny is like I sent him a message to be like, dude, um, let me know when you're when you're kosher to sort sort of start talking about you know dust till dawn development and stuff like that like once the cards are gone because i want to throw you on the show mofo left me on red now keep in mind it's also a holiday weekend <laughs> for them so he's probably out there doing uh, brian gottlieb related things or writing bnrs but ultimately i'm just going to take the high road and say that i rejected him Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. That's it, Maddie. Anything that you'd like to plug? Any last uh, last little parting shots that you got? You have a question for me? I like to offer a, a, a you know a free pass to ask me a question at the end of the show. Why not? Okay. Uh, what what hero are you are you going to be playing for the next competitive season? That is a and, good question. You're locked into it. Whatever you choose, you have to play because you're still oh. on the show. Well, that's tough because I'm actually signed up for the calling in Cincinnati. I'm going to be playing, but I'm going to be in Ohio for 10 days for some um, realm-related events and some stuff going on over there. So I don't know because I the, the basically the realm said, whatever cards you need, we'll, we'll lend you while you're here. So don't worry about bringing cards here. So I'm spending the next little while kind of trying to play test and whatnot. I genuinely don't know. Um, I'm not smart enough to break the mold on anything. I'm going to see which way the wind is blowing. And if somebody says like, dude, yeah. it's Vincent or it's this, I'm just going to take whatever smarter people than me have designed. I rely on the big brains of smarter people like Tarek, um, like my buddy, Mike Torek and stuff like that, who design really excellent decks. And then I go from there. 
one thing i like i know where my strengths and weaknesses are my strength is not in deck design and deck building my strength is in like willpower and grind and learning so i close the gap on that by them saying this is what you should play here's why here's the matchups and then i'm like all right you give me this you know and I, i will teach myself to fish you just point you know you just give me the fishing rod and i'll figure it out that's kind of my mojo here but leaning prism i guess because i have a lot of prism reps in the past but that's just me. Cool. <laughs> all right where can we uh where can we get more matt rogers musings where's the best place to connect with matt rogers uh yeah i mean i'm i'm on facebook uh facebook is usually the easiest i'm reasonably active on the flesh and blood fan page if you're on that um i i barely ever log into discord so i think i think brody brody messaged me at one point and was like hey man i sent you a message on discord like you you know you you, you haven't come back to me and that that, and i I like found it it was like two weeks ago or whatever i'm like look (laughs) don't message me on discord like i i log into discord like maybe once or twice a month maybe um so that's that's not the place to find me uh twitter i jump on you know maybe once or twice a week uh uh you know i uh, you you constantly push me to be more active there yes um but yes yeah, i do Facebook's kind of my home. <laughs> oh man um, you know i was talking about i think that frankly despite the fact that you're talking about your chiropractors i think the fact that you use facebook more than anything is a bigger indicator of your age uh my age <laughs> yeah than the fact that it hurts when you sit down and get up like that's not what it is it's not back pain it's facebook usage that that is that's like rings on a on a tree like you count those how many times have you logged into facebook today oh you're this much old i get you perfect uh and every um, minions yeah. meme that you post multiplies your age by two that's how it goes i've, I've never posted a minions meme so at least uh, i'm, I'm good there. <laughs> oh, um, and then uh people are going to be able to find me at the Colleen birmingham um i'm going to be going to birmingham uh we got a pcg booth there uh and we're opening pcg germany literally the week after that so i'm down there for that um so i'm going to be slinging some cards at, at birmingham so if you are at birmingham uh come say hi beauty all right brother man i love you dearly thank you so much for joining us on instant speed podcast dude always mate always my pleasure and uh yeah you look after yourself mate i will and to everybody else to our sponsors at kayfabe cards go to kayfabecards.com kayfabe be who you want to be and of course to our patreon supporters keep in mind we have a brand new patreon page patreon.com slash instant speed if you're a supporter of us before that is no longer active we are brand new relaunching uh by all means if you want to support us uh here at the show that's the best way to do it thank you so much and don't forget you're not losing if you're learning we'll see you next week on instant speed well i work i work